0: good to see you and uh, my name is Josh one of the pastors here and just really excited to be with you this morning on Easter morning happy Easter. happy Easter and glad you're with us glad for those of you who are joining us online that you can be with us too happy Easter to you really grateful for you this morning and uh, you know uh, today is a huge huge day in fact this morning we celebrate the greatest event in all of human history uh, bar none it's unparalleled in it's in its significance and unrivaled in its power this morning we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ God in the flesh who died on Good Friday rose again the third day to live forevermore never to die again and to give life to anyone who would trust him and believe in him and If you've been part of our church family for any amount of time, you know this is our hope. Like this is our hope, this is what we're all about. This is what the church is all about. It is all about Jesus. In fact, if if Jesus hadn't rose from the grave, if he's not who he says he is, then we've wasted a whole lot of time and a whole lot of our lives worshiping him and giving to him, giving ourselves to him. But the truth is he has risen from the grave. It's exciting. It's all about Jesus. So who is Jesus? Let's talk about him a little bit. He was born just over 2,000 years ago. Uh, he grew up in a small town about a quarter of the size of Milford at the most, four to 500 people. Um, just an obscurity. His dad, his daddy Joe, was a carpenter. And it's likely then that, that Jesus actually followed in his earthly dad's footsteps and became a carpenter himself. Isaiah tells us that there was nothing extraordinary about him, nothing about him that uh, would cause us to be drawn to him in terms of his outward appearance. He was just a regular guy. And if he was, in fact, a carpenter, like his daddy Joe, he carried a lunchbox to work and swung a hammer for a living, and he was just a normal, normal man. That's Jesus Christ. But uh, if he's that normal, how in the world is his life the most significant life to ever be lived I mean think about it Jesus of Nazareth is the has been the dominant figure in in uh, in any public discussion now for 20 centuries like your clothes are gonna be outdated in about 20 weeks but Jesus has some staying power for 20 centuries he's dominated the conscience of Western culture in fact, the two most significant dates on the calendar that we celebrate revolve around his life. Christmas, we celebrate his birth, and today, Easter, we celebrate his resurrection. And you know, even if you don't believe in him as Lord, or even if you don't necessarily buy all of this, the reality is you count time according to this man's life. You do. BC, before Christ, or if you prefer, before the common era. Even if you prefer that, when did the common era start? At Jesus' birth. We count time around this man's life. This guy who grew up in obscurity in a tiny little town in Northern Israel. What is it about him? Uh, Furthermore, more paintings have been painted of him, more songs sung to him, more books written about him, than any other person in human history. Friends, it's all about Jesus. In fact, the, the reason you're alive, it's about Jesus. The reason the universe holds together, Jesus. The reason this large church building is perched out in the middle of a bunch of cornfields in rural Indiana, Jesus. That's the only reason that it's here. The reason the year is 2021 and not like 5334, Jesus. It's all about Jesus, friends. And in fact, the reason you're here, the reason you're watching online is Jesus Christ. It's all because of him, and it's all about him. So who is he? Why was he so significant? Well, we're going to look into that this morning, but more importantly, I'm going to throw a question at you right away. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? And I'm I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like, that's where we're going today. Like, I want to challenge you. Who do you say that he is? For me, I say he's the son of God. He is God in the flesh, who put on flesh, who died on the cross for my sins. He's my only hope. And he loves me more and he loves me most. And so I love him and have given my life to him. Well, today we're going to look, though, uh, in the spirit of LeVar Burton and Reading Rainbow. right? Don't take my word for it. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about himself. And and what are you gonna do with some of these things that he says about himself? Um, You need to decide. Is he telling the truth or is he not? First, Jesus said this. He said that he was not from earth. He was not from earth. In fact, here's, here's where he says it, John chapter six. He says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And you might say, oh, I don't know, Josh, is that really what he's saying? I mean, that he's not from here, is it just misunderstood? Well, if that was misunderstood, everyone else misunderstood it too, because they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, 'I've, I've come down from heaven? Like we saw this kid grow up, we know him. He came from heaven, no he didn't. Well, Jesus says, actually, yes, I did. He's saying here that he existed long before he was ever incarnated, long before he ever put on flesh, Jesus was, Jesus is. Uh, Some of you may not realize this, but Jesus did exist before his birth. He didn't just begin to exist and he wasn't created at his birth. He simply uh, put on flesh. He became incarnate like Incarnate with flesh on, with meat on. That's Jesus. Other religions will teach that a person can become good enough and devout enough that eventually they can become like God. But uh, Christianity says, no, that's, that's not gonna happen. What you need is you need God to become a man, to live for you, to die for you, to rescue you so that you can come be with God. And that's what the gospel is, that's what Jesus does. He was first and foremost God who became a human so that he could rescue all humanity off the treadmill of trying to get to God and to take us to be with him. So first, his first claim, he was clear, I'm not from Earth. This isn't where I'm from. And not only that, he also claimed that he was more than just a good man. Uh, Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, uh, he he was setting out on a journey and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. But then Jesus says something kind of strange. He says, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Many people will assent to some facts about Jesus. You know, they'll say, yeah, I agree. He was a major historical figure. I mean, if you'd ever date your check, you have to assent to that. I mean, time revolves around his life. Uh, his teachings were revolutionary. Yeah, I assent to that. I mean, most popular, most, most best-selling book in human history, if I could talk this morning. He was a good man. We'd agree with that, a moral man. Yet at the same time, while, while many will assent to that, they'll just totally dismiss things like his miracles or the fact that um, he claimed to be God, he claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus is often described to be a great teacher, a brilliant philosopher, a good man, and he was, but he said, I'm much more than that. I mean, that's really not a fair way to describe him, simply in that way, when you look at his own claims. You know, he's not just a good guy. Yes, he did a lot of good things. Yes, he was a good man but you can't reduce him simply to that. His own words eliminate that possibility. So it leaves you with really a pretty big choice, doesn't it? Is he a good man or is he a liar? And is a liar really a good man? We'll come back to that question this morning because one of the other claims of Jesus and and this claim friends is without equal He claimed to be sinless. He claimed to be without sin. I mean, look at what he says. He says, which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why don't you believe me? Jesus says this in a big crowd, and then they pick up stones to stone him, but nobody can answer him. And in fact, their answer is, well, the reason we're gonna stone you is because you, a mere man, claim to be God. I don't know, he claimed to be sinless. If I got up here and I said, you know, I've been been around about 18 years now, if I got up and I said, all right, which one of you convicts me of sin? There'd be a, like, uh, right here. We already got a hand. I mean, there would be an outpouring, right? You all know I'm a sinner. You know that well, but Jesus says it, and nobody says anything. Nobody could, I mean, my guess is like the Rolodex in their mind is going round and round. All the things we've seen of him. Yeah, I can't come up with anything where he sinned. And by the way, just for a little extra proof on this one, uh, think about this. Who knows better than anyone that you're a sinner besides you? Your family, right? The People you grow up with, maybe your spouse, the people you live with. But Jesus had a handful of younger brothers and sisters who were born after him. Uh, one, James was one of them, and he was originally opposed to Jesus' claims of deity. Just like I would be if my brother, I had three little brothers, if one of them claimed to be God, I'd be like, whatever. I've seen you. I know you, I know how you work. For not even his brothers, John wrote in John chapter seven, believed in him. Yet later, something dramatic happens because James ends up writing a book of the Bible. So does Jesus' little brother, Jude. And both of them in their books, in the New Testament, uh, claim Jesus, their older brother, their big brother, to be Lord and savior. How many of you would say that about your big brother? Not with a straight face, right? How does that happen? Unless he truly is. That's pretty profound evidence to this claim. Um, And by the way, you say, well, they're just making it up. Yeah, but then they ended up dying for it. I wouldn't die for that claim. Here's a fourth claim Jesus makes. Jesus said that he was God through his miracles. Now he does it through his works and he does it even through his words. He directly claims to be God, multiple occasions. In fact, that's why he was killed. Um, But we're gonna look at both. We're gonna look first here at his miracles, at his mighty works. Look at John chapter 10, starting in verse 36. He says, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world? There again, he's saying, I'm not from this world. Do you say to me, you're blaspheming just because I said, I'm the son of God. There's a claim with his words. If I'm not doing the works of my father, don't believe me. If I'm not really doing mighty works, if I'm not doing miracles, don't believe me. But uh, he goes on, if, if, if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father is in me and i'm in the father again they sought to arrest him and they wanted to put him to death but he escaped from their hands friends jesus performed miracles he did a lot of really 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 good things but he's not merely a miracle worker He's not merely that. He's not merely a good guy. His miracles were his claim to deity. He said, if you don't believe me, then believe my works, because they're the work of God. I'm God, is what he said. And by the way, he still works miracles. He heals hearts, he heals relationships, he heals marriages. The sick, for some of you, man, he would change you. And that would be a miracle. And you know the times that you've tried to change on your own. Listen, Jesus is that answer for you. Another claim Jesus makes is he claims not only with his miracles to be God, but with his mouth. He actually said, I am God. On multiple occasions. Here's one. He said, I and the Father are one. Again, uh, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you... Stone me. I mean, was that when he says, I am the Father of one, is he really declaring himself to be God? Well, look how it was understood. We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. That's why he was killed. He wouldn't quit saying, I'm God. You know, some of you have been lied to that maybe Jesus never really claimed. To be god never claimed to be divine you you agree yeah you've been told he's a good guy but did he really claim to be god friends again that's why he was killed go read the accounts of the crucifixion it was precisely because he kept making this claim and he was given the chance to recant over and over again but he never did he never did he died for that claim No other leader and founder of a world religion ever made that claim. Buddha never claimed to be God. Confucius never claimed to be God. Muhammad never claimed himself to be God. But Jesus does. That's a profound claim. Let me ask you, back to the question of, is he just a good man? Would would you call somebody who claimed to be God a good man? You know, guys like David Koresh or Jim Jones, they claimed it and then caused the suicide of their followers. No, they're not good men. They're lunatics. They're wicked. Well, it'd be the same with Jesus. I mean, if Jesus isn't God, he's on the level of those guys. In fact, he's the most damnable man to ever walk the face of the earth. When you consider how many people, if that's not true, that he's led astray over 2,000 years. Commanding people, calling them to worship him, to give their lives to him, to pray to him. If that's not true, he's not a good man. (laughs) In fact, C.S. Lewis makes this argument much more eloquently than I. He wrote this in... Uh, mere Christianity, he said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus, that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say, Lewis writes. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. He claimed to be God. So was he telling the truth? What do you say? What do you say? He also claimed to be able to forgive sin. Jesus said that he could forgive sin. Well, uh, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic after he was lowered down on a mat in front of him from the roof, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? Again, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins except God alone? He's claiming to be God by saying he can forgive sin. Friends, every sin we commit ultimately against other people is ultimately against God. And he demands payment for sin because he's a good God. He's a just God. Your sense of justice, of right and wrong, comes from the fact that you bear God's image and God is a God who, uh, who, who is a God of justice and of love and of mercy, but, but he, he's a God of what's right and he wants what's right. If somebody sins against you, it's you that has to forgive. If somebody sins against God, God's the one who has to forgive. What's amazing is every other religion too would say that if you do enough good things, if you do all this, live like this, walk like this, then you could be forgiven. Jesus comes in and he says, no son, your sins are forgiven. Now pick up your mat and walk. Not because of anything you've done, but because of my goodness and my mercy. He gives us new life and then we walk in it. There's nothing you can ever do to earn it from him. Nothing. It'll never be enough. Jesus claims also then, because of this claim of forgiveness, his seventh claim, he claims to be the only way to heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, many will have, you know, some issues with this claim. Well, that's pretty exclusive, Jesus. The only way? You know, what about other people who are just good people? Well, it's it's not, the standard's perfection, it's Jesus. Don't be deceived, there is only one way. But even though he is exclusive, he is. He's also inclusive. Because he says, whoever would come to me, whoever would believe, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, if you would come to him, he welcomes you with open arms and forgives you. If you confess with your mouth, Paul writes, that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's still the only qualifiers. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, believe. Jesus himself said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man, speaking of himself, must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He goes on, he says, for God so loved the world That he gave his only son so that, again, whoever believes in him could have eternal life. Now, when you think about that, you might say, but Josh, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've done. You don't uh, know what's happened in my life. I I mean, he's angry with me. You You don't know. Well, he's angry at sin, but he loves you. And today's the day of salvation because when Jesus comes this first time, he says, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, don't be fooled. Is judgment coming? Yeah, it is. But today's the day of salvation where you can come to him freely and turn to him and he'll rescue you like he has me and like he has many in this room. He claimed to be the only way to heaven and he claimed that he would rise from death before he ever died. He he claimed that he would rise in three days. Look at this in Luke 9. The son of man, he said, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. He predicted his death. He predicted his resurrection, but he actually pulled it off. I mean, any other person who's predicted their resurrection after they died, guess what? They're all still dead. (laughs) Every one of them. But Jesus, he's alive. Other leaders of world religions and other, you can visit their graves. But Jesus, you can't visit his grave. Well, maybe you could. There's one spot in Jerusalem that uh, the Catholic Church built a shrine around, and it's a traditional spot thought to potentially be the tomb Jesus was laid in. But guess what? I got the chance to go there, 2007. I got to walk in, stoop down, be in there, touch the wall. Guess what's not there? Any of Jesus' bones? He's alive, friends. He claimed that he would rise from death three days before he died. And his resurrection, and it's what gives us victory over death and, and over all things for anyone who would believe in him. So there you go. There's eight of the claims Jesus made about himself. We could share more, but I mean, those eight are pretty powerful. And so the question comes, what, what do you think about that? What are you going to do with those claims? You know, in Luke chapter 9, maybe you remember the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Everybody had been sitting around listening to him teach. It had been a long day. They're tired. They're hungry. And Jesus says, hey, feed these people. They're like, we don't have any food. Well, figure it out. Okay, well, we found a little boy, and he's got five loaves and a couple fish. And Jesus like, all right, bring it to me. And he breaks it and they start handing it out and he feeds the 5,000. By the way, the text says 5,000 men. So there were also their wives, their children. So we're talking like 15 to 20,000 people probably on the low end. And then after this all takes place, Jesus comes back and he says to his disciples, he says, so all the crowds, who do they say that I am? They answer, well, John the Baptist, some think that. Others will say, well, you're, he's Elijah. And others, you know, that you're one of the prophets that's risen from of old. And then Jesus turned to his disciples directly. And I think he turns to you in this moment. Who do you say that I am? Friend, that is the question of your lifetime and no one can answer it but you. Who do you say that he is? Not what have you been taught? Not um, what did your parents believe? Not what did you see on the History Channel? Not uh, what did Jesus even say about who he was? Who, who do you say that he is? Like deep down, if we could look deep down into your heart, into your mind, your very core, who do you, what, what do you do with these claims? Who do you say that he is? You can choose not to believe him, and that's okay. We still love you. We're still glad you're here. You're always welcome. Never turn you away. But then also consider if you don't believe him, you're by default saying he was a liar, or a lunatic, or incredibly wicked and evil. Don't come with anything saying that he was a good man. You can't claim that anymore. Jesus didn't let you. But if you do believe his claims, friend, then he calls you to repent, to come to him. Repent just means to turn, to change your mind, to believe his claims, to trust him, to give your life to him. In fact, Revelation closes with this, the spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Jesus said to the woman at the well, I'll give you water so you'll never grow thirsty again. And he's talking about spiritual life. And if you're thirsty for that, come to him. Take the water of life without price. Jesus said, uh, also come to me, all who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. You can get off the treadmill of trying to figure it out on your own and just come to him. Friend, it doesn't matter what you've done, what's been done to you, who you are, where you're from, the color of your skin, your intellect, your age. It doesn't matter. You can come to him and he'll receive you with open arms. And he also says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for uh, his life, his perfect life, his resurrection, his death in my place on the cross. Lord, uh, thank you that he is who he claims to be. And Jesus, I, I pray even now by the power of your spirit, you would work uh, in the hearts of those who, who have made that decision. You'd encourage them and strengthen their conviction their knowledge of your love for them. And Jesus, for those who've who've never trusted you, friend, if that's you, uh, it's so simple. Like it's not that you have to get your life together and get everything cleaned up and come to him. You just come as you are. Jesus would take you with open arms. And to do that, you just simply believe in your heart and you can just simply pray this prayer to him. You can say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me and to rescue me. I believe you are who you say you are and that you can save even me. Would you save me? And he promises to, and to keep you and to make you new and to change you. Father, thanks for Jesus. We pray all of this through him.